Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. What up, Get Up Nation? My name is Ben Bennett, the host of the Get Up Nation podcast and co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Lurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is committed to creating, developing, and empowering individuals, organizations, and societies to practice a skilled resilience that obliterates obstacles, maximizes potential, and wastes no time in creating human interactions of profound depth, respect, health, and productivity. Today, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Gwen Lawrence. You may have seen her on the Better Man television show, which she co-hosts with Brian Jones, read her book, Body Sculpting with Yoga, or heard how she serves professional sports teams and countless others with her program called Power Yoga for Sports. Her unique ability to read bodies helps her analyze any imbalances and asymmetry that can lead to injury. She's helped elite athletes like Alex Rodriguez and Plaxico Perez prevent injury and enhance their performance. Her clients include the New York Knicks, the New York Yankees, the New York Rangers, the New York Giants, David Letterman, Regis Philbin, Coach Larry Brown, UN Secretary General Kofi Annan, Kathy Lee, Frank Gifford, Kate Hudson, the New York Red Bulls, the list goes on and on. You can access a detailed list, training opportunities, testimonials, tips, and t-shirts at her website, GwenLawrence.com. You will also find some blog posts that give a window into how Gwen has achieved such success. In March of 2018, Gwen described on her blog how she does not believe in regret. A survivor of unspeakable childhood sexual abuse, Gwen wrote, I believe I have a purpose to fulfill, and embraces her journey that has ups and downs of learning, creating, discovering, disappointment, and great highs. She also describes how people can't appreciate or even conceive of a high or an accomplishment unless they have felt the lows. She describes how the adversity in her life has made her tough as nails and aware of her surroundings. She's developed peak, finely tuned intuition and a ferocious sense of protection for her family and those she cares about. Gwen, I'm honored to have you as a guest on the Get Up Nation podcast. Absolutely. To research our talk here was very inspiring and motivating for me as well. I'm excited to share with Get Up Nation listeners all the things that you're doing. You describe in some of your blog posts how your personal sense of body image and thoughts around eating were impacted by your experiences in an elite high school dance company. Will you share some of those experiences in the dance company and, and how it created challenges for you? Young, uh, the dance company typically started at ninth grade, and although I had been since three, I joined in eighth grade. And we had an amazing dance troupe leader. However, she was—I'm going to say—overly professional at times. She taught us a lot of great ways to be professional and to present ourselves. But then there was the challenge of our weekly weigh-ins, and we went in. I think about this now that. Uh, I think times have changed a little bit, and hopefully this wouldn't happen a long time ago. When I was in high school, I would go in two by two, and I was naturally skinny. I really 
ate everything I wanted. I was five foot six, 90 pounds. And everyone said, you know, but that was natural for me. This was. And we would weigh in every week and she would turn to me and say, you know, it's good, but you still got a little pooch. And it stopped me in my tracks. And to this day, as a grown woman, um, with, you know, uh, I think having learned a lot and been through a lot, I, I, I still hear that ring in my ear. It's good, but I still got a little, I still got a little pooch. And I was so skinny at the time that Jordache jeans, I don't know if you even know what that is. Oh, yeah, they were yeah. Like the, yeah, they were like the first designer jeans, right? And <laughs> yeah. I wanted them so bad, and they didn't make them small enough for me. So my mom surrendered and bought them for me. And I was so skinny, just to give you perspective on having the little quote-unquote pooch, that I wore two pairs of jeans at wow. the same time just so that I could hold up the Jordache. So, wow. I mean, it, seemingly innocent content, uh, you know, comment on her part has just rung in my ears for the rest of my life. Hmm. And I cuckoo about getting on the scale and a little... I, you know, I'm very conscious of health, but probably a little over cuckoo of being very conscious of what goes in my body. And, and it's really clear to me that, you know, ideas and are formed, you know, in those middle school, high school years. How did that transition from these childhood challenges into your passion for yoga and athletics and optimizing athletes' health? How did that transition happen? of events that the universe sort of laid out in front of me and not until recently in my life did I realize that that path was all sort of setting me up for the way that I run my business today but I started as a dancer like I said age of three all through college and then in college I was an art and dance major so it doesn't really seem to match that much but what happened with those two is that I became very intrigued by anatomy and the body and figure drawing and seeing proportions and things when I was figure drawing. And my senior year in college, I realized I didn't want to be a starving artist. (laughs) 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 I went through all that and uh, maybe I needed to do something else. I met this person that, and this, you know, we're talking about uh, 1990 when I went to my dad and my mom and I said, I'm going to, after college, I'm going to go, now I'm going to go to uh, massage therapy school. And back then it was, I think my dad thought I was going to be a prostitute or something. And (laughs) he wasn't too thrilled about it. And, you know, I had every intention of, you know, working with doctors and PTs, picking people's brains smarter than myself. So right after school, I went to massage therapy school in New York City and I always had this desire to work with athletes because I had been dating my now husband since I'm 15, and he's an amazing baseball player and was being scouted during his college years by Major League Baseball. So this is sort of happening while I'm in college, and every weekend I sit through two doubleheaders, hmm. and I laugh at this because I was 16, 17, and I would sit, with the scouts and I don't know who I thought I was I had electric blue dyed hair and <laughs> I sat with the scouts 
couch in my own chair with my own stopwatch and kind of pick their brain about oh. what he needed to go next level and, you know, what was his arm speed and what time did you get because he was a catcher? Who was your throw down the second time? And it was, it's kind of comical now because I'm 16, you know, who do I think I was? <laughs> so that was, you know, that was happening at the same time. And I went to massage school and the first day, I'll never forget, we were sitting and they were going around the room. What does everybody want to do with this knowledge and this certification and licensing? And people had all these noble things they wanted to do, like work with elderly and cancer patients and things like that. And they came to me and I said, I want to work with professional athletes. And they all laughed at me. Hmm. And I think that that just ignited a, maybe a, a low-grade fire that was in there that, oh, yeah, well, this is going to happen. So I did massage school and took my boards. Shortly after passing my state boards, I got a call from the school. And I almost didn't want to call back because I was thinking, oh, my God, what if I just pass? What if I just pass? What if I just So I called back and, <laughs> and I realized um, they had a job referral. I didn't really know that the school had job referral. And based on just dumb luck, fate, whatever you want, based on location of where I was living at the time, they referred me to my first client, and that was David Letterman. No kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first client out of massage school was David Letterman, and I went to his house every night for four years. Didn't matter if it was an ice storm, Thanksgiving, 1030 at night after he taped. And that started my parlay into working with elite-level people, you know, and learning how to deal with them. And some, you know, one thing led to another, and I got Regis, and then I got Kathy Lee, and then the amazing Frank Gifford. And at the same time, I was starting to work doing massage and um, uh, training with high school athletes and things like that, and college athletes. And I guess I was, oh, I got Glenn Close. A lot of people don't, Glenn Close is anymore, but I started to work with Glenn Close, training her on location for movies and working her diet and getting her fit for, you know, some certain goals that she had. And she said to me one day, if I send you to California to be a yoga teacher, will you teach me yoga too? Huh. I was like, all right. <laughs> so I sort of fell into the yoga and I thought I was going to be working, you know, with massage with these athletes, but massage gave me was a clearer, more fun way to get into the athletes because they all want massage, right? I mean, that's a done deal. The, the yoga, even 20 years later, is still a negotiation. <laughs> you know, I constantly have to prove why, you know, hmm. it's getting easier now. But, and so I, I was doing massage and yoga with some of these athletes, and I got in with the Giants, and then um, started telling the Giants, you know, if you, if you do yoga, you need less massages, you want to give it a try, and they gave me the, they gave me the opportunity, and never looked back, 18 seasons later, with hmm. them, and how just built. So one team, the trust, having, I think that's where my fiercely protective and loyalty comes from. And, I, and these teams sense it, these high-level athletes and 
spends it, and that's what keeps me in the game and hmm. being able to stay in that situation. I see. So Did that answer your question? That's kind of a long answer. <laughs> in addition to co-hosting the Better Man television show, you serve, like you were saying, some of the most elite athletes on the planet. Will you share with Get Up Nation some of the services you offer and why some of the highest level professional sports teams draw from your knowledge and expertise to help them win championships? Definitely. I, you know, I developed my company, Cario Yoga for Sports, you know, well over 15 years ago. And what I saw, especially when I first started working with the Giants, is that they were all training together. And while that was nice, the team unity and team spirit, I was seeing, you know, the O-linemen doing the same thing as the wide receivers, as the quarterback. And something about it just didn't quite jive for me. I thought, gosh, they have such different you know, duties on the field, thought types, mindsets, goals, that it just doesn't seem right. And I, you know, I saw the value of them starting to do yoga. But when you work with these high-level athletes, they don't have they have rigorous training schedules, as you can imagine. So they don't have, you know, hours to get me to add something to their schedule. So I had to really buckle down and think, Okay, they would gain and they would get better by going to any yoga class, but how can I be different? How can I employ my knowledge and what's different about me? And so what I do is I learn their game, the bottom line. I learn their game and I go into their world. I'm not asking them to be a yogi. I learn their duties on the field, their movements on the field, their body type, their common injuries, and their not only their sport but their position. And I'll boil down the art of yoga into what they need per sport, per position, you know, in-season, off-season, where are they in their training cycle. And that's what sets me and the people I train apart. Yes, they'll, they'll be good by going to a yoga class, but there are certain things that are necessary for them to do, certain things that maybe in a hot yoga class that could be detrimental to them, and so that's where that kind of came from. And they get that, you know. I'm, I'm speaking their language. I'm not right. asking them to do a split, right. you know, unless they're a first baseman. that that's why these professional athletes are frequently telling you that you take them through some of the hardest workouts they've ever done and then they also <laughs> and they also wish they would have started doing yoga in their routines as children and yeah. and what I really like is your focus is not just on physical performance you help people 
increase their awareness in and of the world. You help create a, a positive global impact by developing attentiveness in people of who and, and uh, what they surround themselves with. You help people rid themselves of negativity, create the life that they want by incorporating balance, strength, flexibility, breath, visualization, and mental training. Can you describe the satisfaction you experience as you help others train not only their bodies, but their minds to achieve greatness? all over the country, I start out by saying, you know, I think Yogi, which is pretty ironic, said it best, that 90% of the game is half mental. And, you know, it doesn't matter what they train physically. If their head is not there, and you've seen this. I mean, we've all seen this. Any sports lover has watched a game and has seen someone have a complete meltdown, which is the demise of the game and potentially their whole season, right? Mm. So you really have to be in the head first. Mm. You have to be clear in your intentions. You have to be unencumbered by life stressors. So you have to live an honest, clean life so that there's no regrets for them. There's no uh, distractions in their brain. So it really is more than just yoga poses. There is a, a whole mental game. One of my best ways of working that with them is put long yoga poses. There's pose, like there's a pose called pigeon pose, which is a deep hip opener. And I am famous for having them hold it for five to ten minutes. Hmm. I'm not letting them out of it. You know, hmm. you can't leave the game if you're tired, cranky, it's hmm. annoying, it's hurting, and you can't leave that yoga pose. As long as you're safe in the yoga pose, you're going to find a way to dig deep, to find comfort in uncomfortable situations, which is sports, right? Hmm. Right. And right. You're going to breathe through it. You're going to visualize. You're going to be positive through it. And knowing you're going to accomplish this and you're going to reap the benefits of having these nice open tips later. So that's how I incorporate it. So it's, it's not taking up extra time there. Although I do do lots of uh, side talks and speeches on mindfulness. Athletes. I see. I actually, this is one of the most special days of life I First of all, Coach Coughlin asked me several years ago to, um, he said, would I be able to teach mindfulness to the team? Absolutely, Coach. I wrote a six-part uh, course that I taught the medical staff, the coaching staff, and the trainers, and subsequently taught the team, and they learned a ton. And then I, was, I had the honor of, of teaching it to the Knicks under Coach Phil Jackson. Great. And that was just like, oh. I got it one of the best days of my life. Awesome. Came over to me, tapped me on the shoulder, and said, go get him, kid. Nice. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Nice. <laughs> this, is, this is the best master. <laughs> the best day ever. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned, you know, they say um, the hardest thing they've ever done. Mm -hmm. And I think that touches on something. They, they fix me all the time. And one thing I'll do is if, if there's a pose that's really easy for them, in my mind, in my experience, they don't need to do that one anymore. Right, right. They're good at it. They're right. great at it. They conquered it, right? Right. It's the ones that are hard for them, yep. that maybe they hold their breath for. That's the ones that I push, and that's why it seems like I'm tough to on them, and it's hard, but, you know, it, it's the best use of their time. Oh, yeah, because that fourth quarter, when they're exhausted, that's going to be rough on them, too. So if you could do it in that session... Exactly. That only streamlines them into you know, when it's third down and they need a first down or whether it's the ninth inning or whether they're having yep. financial trouble or or relationship problems. Yeah, you get in this tailspin of, you 
storytelling negativity. I'm tired. I'm this and that. Oh, my gosh. That's just how I felt the other day when my tax return came. And I owe this and that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you get in this down spiral and you can't do that. So we've got to find ways and tools on the fly. And like I said, living that nice, clean life eliminates some of those extraneous stressors. Absolutely. So if young people are listening to this right now and they have dreams of being an elite athlete one day, what have you made available for them and their coaches to help them on their path toward excellence in athletics and life? That's a great question. And of working with high school and collegiate level guys because they're so hungry, you know, and it just it brings me a lot of joy to get letters from them after they've graduated, how this worked, that worked. And so the past two and a half years, I've been furiously writing these complete training kits. So I have... 13 different sports right now, and it's everything you need on your specific sport, common yoga moves, common yoga poses, yoga routines, and why to do at home. So I'm trying to get everybody I can to do it. I obviously can't be everywhere, and I, I can't train enough great people, so I'm offering this type of option for everybody out there. I also have a YouTube channel so they can go on there for free and sort of Google ailments or sports and and just start. You know? And people get a little overwhelmed and they go, ah, I could do an hour. I don't know if I could do a half hour. I say, start with five minutes. Video off. Right? And then maybe next week you do seven minutes. And all of a sudden you'll find you're doing it and you're getting better. Nothing feels better than that. Great. And then also for those who have experienced adverse childhood experiences and they're seeking to create personal resilience in their life, do you have any encouragement for them as they start asking questions about how these troubling experiences have affected them, how they can experience healthy, caring relationships, how they can establish a sense of self-value or develop an ability to successfully adapt to change? Do you have any encouragement for, for anybody who's listening, who's facing and, and wading through kind of the chaos that comes from trauma? Yeah, definitely. I think everybody has a different journey. Everybody internalizes things differently. And I'm not going to lie, there's days and years where I'm perfectly fine. And then there's days and months and years where I think I still think about it every day. You know, I have triggers. So know that there will be ups and downs. And the way to wade through them and overcome them is to surround yourself with people you truly, truly trust. doesn't matter if they're there, you think they're going to help you get something in life, or you think some, you have other misconceptions about them. You just have to have a tune in and have your gut core instincts. Surround yourself by people that you can trust. You know when you're down, that they're there for you no matter what. And then to really find your passion as young as you can in life and your purpose. And that distracts you. When I have things to do and I have things to write and accomplish and speeches to give, you know, those are where my focuses go. And I don't really have time to focus on the past crap. So, mm. you know, it's trust, it's life purpose, and, and knowing that there will be ups and downs and it's okay. There's a, uh, a Buddhist saying, if you have a problem and you know the problem can be solved, it's not worth worrying about. If you have a problem and you know the problem can't be solved, it's not worth worrying about. <laughs> and that really helps me a lot. I love how you've taken a childhood full of adverse experiences and pain, and you've created programs and services that empower and lift people out of dysfunction and injury and negativity into the heights of sustained excellence. 
where the programs you experienced as a child did great damage in the pursuit of excellence, you've committed yourself to creating impactful programs that incorporate the entire person into the process to prevent not only future physical injury, but a whole person on the interior space as well. Gwen, I always end the show with six questions that help my listeners gain a greater understanding of the why of my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? All right. Who are you thankful for today? My husband. I met him very nice. We grew up together, and we just have the most unique and special connection. He gets me. I get him, and he's always there. What are you thankful for today? I am thankful that I had the opportunity to actually fulfill my dream, to go into a career that I wasn't full on with, that I could really pursue the purpose that I was set here to do. And how do you fuel the fire within you? Ah. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> uh, surrounding myself with people that I love. And, and then and I'm a tremendous goal setter. So being really clear on my goals. What is one thing adversity has taught you to value? Adversity has taught me to, to value loyalty. I'm huge on loyalty. I sound like an old um, mafia guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then what are you doing today you never thought you could? Nothing. I think I could do anything. Awesome. I really do. I mean, I, I know maybe when I was younger, that would have been a different answer. I would have said huh. working with the world's most elite athletes and coaches. But now, because I've done that, especially being a woman and I've done it for so long, that I, I really believe that there's something I want to do, I could do it. And that sums up my next and final question. What are you going to do tomorrow you never thought you could? Tomorrow, I am going to retire young. I'm going to have a really, really expensive, fast car. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a little more vacation time in Sedona, Arizona, and spread my teaching to other people so that they can live the life that I have lived and really feel fulfilled. Excellent. Thank you so much. If people want to learn more about you or any of your programs, where can they find out more information? GwenLawrence.com. Everything you need there. As a first responder, I don't know how many nights I sat in an uncomfortable hospital chair, listening. People, reeling from physical and psychological trauma and abuse, would tell me their stories. Sometimes they would only tell a little. Sometimes they would tell me in great detail what they'd experienced. Sometimes they were sober, sometimes they weren't. Sometimes I was no more to them than just another object in the room, and sometimes my listening was everything to them. When children came through the doors, it was the most difficult. When children arrived, it was the most stark reminder that none of these situations were a report to be read or work to be followed up on. These were people. They weren't diagnosis codes to be filed so insurance companies could be billed, so profits could be made. These were people. These were lives, wondering what kind of world they were in, where the things they'd experienced happened. They were the today and tomorrow of people seeking hope, help, meaning, and healing. This place where I met with the wounded was also a place where I would experience the warrior within people. There are those who refuse to allow the pain and darkness to win, who refuse to be victims. There are those, like Gwen Lawrence, who transform their trauma and suffering into power, who commit their time and attention to sharing their power. They do things like provide their insights, thoughts, and experiences to help others better themselves. They speak the language of master performers, 
because they understand the value of applying knowledge with precision into specific situations to be of true help, to affect change, to improve processes, and to affirm and maximize health. They go into the depths of who they are to discover new glories, new heights, and new ways to be of positive, connective service. Their clear vision and drive takes them beyond the status quo because of what they understand. They quickly begin to realize that nothing is impossible and dismiss unnecessary barriers created by fear, doubt, comfort, apathy, or an excessive need to control. They're familiar with how it feels to suffer and recognize the value and necessity of self-care, taking bold action and declaring their own value in order to be of value to others and refusing the falsehood that self-harm is humility. Isn't it exciting to live in this era when people are discovering and demanding more, where systems are being forced to discover what so many have discovered in their own minds during their dawns and dusks, commutes and workdays, vacations and holidays, that this life is what we make it and that the adversity we face is nothing to run from. It may be a part of the transformative experience that unleashes unparalleled power, wisdom, grace, and connection in our lives. Thank you, Gwen, for sharing your journey on the Get Up Nation podcast.